Welcome to the Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts. We are your international headquarters for resources and ideas and insight in relation to the nine elements of holistic wellness. Join us as we interview local and international wellness experts and learn how you can implement and improve one element or dimension of wellness at a time. Our experts will share their practical tips on wellness in one of these core areas. Emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. The Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts is proudly sponsored by the Global Wellness HQ community. It's an online membership group where we meet, we share ideas, we share insights, and we all work together and help one another discover our own personal wellness journeys. If you'd like to join us, you can easily click the link below or scan the QR code, and we love hearing your stories, so we hope to see you in the community. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited today. Uh, my co-host Pete Kane and I are really excited to have Ann Keller on the show. Anne, welcome to the show. Hello. It's good to be here. So first question is the hardest one. Tell us a little bit about who are you and what you do. So my name is Ann Keller and I am an LPC, so licensed professional counselor in the state of Georgia. And I see individuals, couples, and families for counseling um, with mental mental health issues, anxiety, depression, as well as like things that can be more complex and difficult to treat. And I love, love the work I do. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there's a lot. Um, now let's, let's jump in. So what are you most passionate about, about in your, in your career? What excites you the most? What's the most fun? Yeah, so I, I stick within two, two sort of um, main categories, marriage enrichment and emotional regulation. Sometimes there's an overlap of those two, but I'm absolutely fascinated with how one impacts the other and then that one in turn impacts the other. There's like a cyclical relationship between them. So on the the mood regulation part, anything that has to do with having a stable mood, which would include management of anxiety, depression, stress, anger, issues like bipolar disorder, um, and even things that are more um, difficult to treat, like uh, one of the things I'm working on today was someone that has unwanted intrusive thoughts. So things there where there's auditory or visual hallucinations. Um, and those things, the things that impact our mood often impact the marriage. So for instance, if I feel a lot of stress at work that day, I, I bring that stress home with me. And if that relationship with in, within the marriage is not sorted out, healed, or worked through, then that stress comes back to the office the next day. It's invisible. You don't see it. But the tension and anxiety and stress that's there that's stored in our bodies 
impacts the work that we do and it impacts our relationships. And so I'm fascinated with helping people with those two things, emotion regulation and marriage enrichment. And then doing that over the lifespan. So I start with teenagers. Um, sometimes teenagers have anxiety, OCD. Um, they're they're facing a lot more stressors than teens have faced in, you know, historically in the past, all the way up to um people that are retiring and people that are dealing with issues with dementia or or Alzheimer's or the aging process, death and dying, people that are in the final stages before dying that need help. All of those things, the things that impact us with emotion regulation over the lifespan impact our relationships. So that's kind of where I where I'm, that's where my fascination is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And uh, I can see we're going to go on a, a few tangents because there's a lot to unpack in there. Um, one of the things we talked about before we started recording was, you know, as an, a recovering accountant, I used to see this all the time. Okay. People would come in to see me and they'd say, oh, therapy is too much work or it's too expensive. And um, as one who used to do the the litigation support for divorces i can assure you that divorce is a lot more expensive yeah. and usually on the other end other side you end up with half your stuff um and and, <laughs> yeah. and an enemy for life in a lot of cases so um let's talk a little bit more about that regulation piece because i think one of the things i see a lot and i want your opinion on this people are looking externally for wellness but one of the things we we talk about with wellness in general is it starts inside. If you're not happy with where you are, there is nothing on the outside that's going to make you happier. Um, I'm not trying to give um, consulting advice or, quite frankly, medical advice. But I think a lot of people can learn a lot from, you know, I'm going to just say this out loud. I worked with an expert who taught me what the various emotions are and what they're teaching us. And I was like, why isn't this taught in primary school? Yeah. Yeah. I think some of the basic things that relate to managing stress and learning about and managing emotions and the way that we communicate, communication is huge. Um, a thing that I, I think also should be taught in the school system because the way that we communicate so, for example, if you if you see your parents communicate with one another and they're not doing such a good job of it and they're angry with one another, you're going to take that that way of communicating with you into your relationships on the playground, on the ball field. And even if you're not initially an angry person, those are the words that you have and the vocabulary you have, the pattern of communicating that you have. And so I, I'm right there with you, Jeff. I really think we should be teaching more about emotions, about regulation, about stress, about communication, about conflict resolution. I think all of those things uh, kids could really benefit from learning before they get into long-term relationships. And, and I think that's so uh, we're going to go down that path because um, 
for one thing Pete knows about me and anybody who's met me for more than two minutes, I am a dad first and everything else comes second. Um, sorry, I'm a father and husband first, everything else comes second. Um, the reality is I'm working with my kids and, and having these conversations. And I think this is going to be a fun conversation with you because there's not a lot of resources out there for a father to teach his kids how to be emotional. I'm going to say emotionally appropriate. And I know that sounds judgy, but you know, it's, if the only thing you have in your tool belt is to scream in a fit of rage and punch somebody, guess what? Every instance where you interact with somebody is going to give you a chance to use that tool. Um, whereas if you can give your kids, so this is a total tangent, but what are some of the things you'd recommend people do just to help their kids? Cause I, I don't believe that there's a parent out there who would say, well, I had kids just have kids. I don't care how they turn out. You know, I think most people, especially the people who are going to listen to this, they care about either their kids or their spouses and, and they're looking for a better way. Um, so what are some things you do or would recommend to help parents have those conversations? Yeah, I think you can learn about communication skills. Um, uh, you know, even before that, I think parents need to get on the same page with the parenting paradigm, whatever that paradigm is. If if they're not going to spank, then they need to know what they are going to do. And there's so many really good parenting programs. I like active parenting. It's got some good information there for the different stages of parenting. So the first thing I would say is parents having a serious conversation about um, there's how you did it. There's how I did it. We have to figure out how we are going to do it. And we need to be on the same page. And that's not hard to find. You can find information about parenting books on Amazon, websites, um, and you want to look for something, not that some one person has written that says, this was my experience as a parent, but someone that has studied hundreds or thousands of families and knows what, what parenting, what set of parenting skills works. So I would say that would be the first one. The other thing, the very best thing that you could do for your children is to have an amazing marriage. It is by far the greatest gift that you leave a child is them being able to be a part of a family where the parents love each other and put one another first and have good communication skills. And that is also a learning curve. There are a lot of different paradigms there too. Um, prepare and rich is one of the ones that's good for couples that are first ma getting married. Gottman and Gottman, it has good a good program. Um, when Don and I got married, and now we're <laughs> we're thirty four. Wow, I can't even believe that when I say that. It doesn't seem <laughs> like I'm that old, but um, one of the smartest things that we did was we sat down and had a conversation, and I said, you know. Um, I did not come from a family where I saw marriage modeled very well. My parents were miserably loyal. <laughs> they were loyal. They were not going to leave one another. They didn't believe in divorce. 
but they were miserable. They made each other miserable and they made us miserable too. And, um, and Don had, had came from a family where he had had uh, several step, uh, stepfathers and saw divorce, remarriage, divorce, remarriage, divorce, remarriage, and saw this back and forth between passion and anger and passion and anger. And I said, I don't think we know what we're doing. And he said, you're right. We don't know what we're doing. (laughs) And we, we decided as a, a young married couple that we would invest in something on an ongoing basis. So sometimes it would be a book. Sometimes it would be a Sunday school class. Sometimes it would be um, a video series. Sometimes it would be a retreat. And so over the years, we basically found that a lot of different programs boil down to um, managing stress and manage your emotions, being an emotionally healthy person and having above average good communication skills. And those were the things that we saw on uh, like a pattern begin to emerge by looking at different programs. And then when we started looking at parenting, because again, we said that had the same conversation about parenting. Um, well, in fact, when my, my youngest one was in kindergarten, there, there was a, um, a counselor on staff at the school. And I went to talk about my child's difficult behavior and she sent me to parenting class. (laughs) (laughs) And that was another area that we decided, okay, we know that we don't know what we're doing, but we have a willingness to learn and get on the same page with how we're going to interact with each other and how we're going to interact with our children. And and, and if I may, Anne, I I love the fact that you're intentional about it. And this is something that comes up with, with my wife and my kids. It's like so many people just show up and, and expect life to happen. And it's like, you know, there is no sport on this planet where you get better without practicing. And yet something is important, you know, forget marriage, forget parent to child relationship, but just the word relationship, we all approach it on the assumption that, you know, you've read the same rule book I have, and therefore you and I are going to build a relationship. Um, I'm going to just share that I've had two business partnerships break up because we both realized in, in both cases I realized that we defined the word relationship differently and I wasn't okay with the other person's definition. Hmm. And so I think to be intentional and, and I, and I love what I'm hearing from you is, you know, it's funny and, and, you know, you can drive a car, but you need a license. You can walk a dog, but you need a license. You know, <laughs> we used to have marriage licenses here, but there was no training or anything for it. And <laughs> You know, the the only requirement to have a child is there's another person willing to do things with you that can lead to that child. Um, yeah, I know we were when we were leaving the hospital with our firstborn, we came to a stoplight and we were both really quiet. 
And I said in, in this quiet moment, I said, can you believe that the hospital let us go home with this baby? They don't know anything about us. And they let us take this baby home. Yeah. And my husband was like, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> this little precious, Crazy. I mean, that's, I, I'm going to tell this, this story. My, my wife hates it, but literally the day my son was born, um, first stop I made after he was born, him and my wife were okay. I left the hospital. She's like, where are you going? And I said, I realized we don't have a car seat. Like, right. yeah, I'm very practical. I was like, oh my God. So I went out and bought a car seat and a football. And my wife's like, what are you going to do with the football? And I'm like, at some point he and I are going to play catch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was the, the extent of preparation, you know, like we, we baby proofed the house and stuff, but you know, too many people, and, and we're going to address this too many people are focused on the physical getting ready to have a baby. You know, you, you put the crib in, you paint the nursery. Um, I went shopping for a minivan and decided, nope, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it was never about, I mean, you think about it, you know, there, there's not a baby on this planet that doesn't cry at some point. Wouldn't it be nice to have the parenting skills and the practice that when a baby cries, this is what you do. I mean, you know, we figured it out pretty quick, but um, you know, when you're overwhelmed, you know, there's mothers dealing with postpartum and, you know, you, you've got families where there might be some addiction or, or, you know, other issues going on, it's really hard to fathom taking that breath and being patient. Um, and, you know, we teach kids up here, we have courses to become a babysitter. Um, I can't think of anything more valuable than teaching someone how to deal with that, that little newborn that gazes at you with so much love and innocence. And it's like, okay, what do I do with this thing now? Mm hmm yeah, we had some uh, here locally, we had some really great um, parenting classes at the local hospital that uh, fell through the cracks a little bit with COVID. And so as a counselor, some of us were having to pick up the, the pick up the pieces in terms of training for what to expect during pregnancy, labor and delivery, nursing, baby care, those types of things. Um, uh, and that, that's been a kind of interesting too, to just see how the field of counseling has changed during the pandemic. Yes. Can I jump in and ask a question? Yes. I may. I'm, I'm intentively listening. So, uh, on both sides of the family, we have a, a thing called narcissism and, and I know both situations, one of the spouses would not go to therapy. They said, you go, I'm not going with you. What do you think, yeah. Anne, when it comes to the fear of couples coming together and uh, being counseled together? What are you seeing out there as maybe the reason, the fears? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so narcissism, you know, uh, they believe very much in themselves. And so very rarely do people that have uh, so there's narcissistic personality disorder, and then there are people that have some of the traits. And um, sometimes they're very good people. It doesn't mean that they're 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 bad. It just means that's the way they are 
created. And pretty much unless someone insists that they go to counseling, you don't see them in counseling. And I would love, you know, one of the things I, I tell, like if one person calls and the other person is not quite on board yet is don't do the threatening thing of, of we've got to go to marriage counseling. Do the invitation of, I found a, a marriage counselor and I wanted to invite you to come along with me as I interview them to see what I think about them. The other thing with narcissism is giving them some choice. <laughs> you know, a narcissist wants to be the one who makes the selection oftentimes. Um, and so uh, all therapists are um, aware that they're not going to be working with every single couple that they talk with, that there'll be some that they work with and some that they refer to other to other therapists. But I would say one of the one of the um, one of the things that could be helpful is in the very beginning stages to be able to say. And so this is one of the things I talk to young couples about is be willing to say, hey, I'm wondering if so being more inquisitive, I'm wondering if this might be something that we could talk to a marriage counselor about. I'm wondering if there might be some skill sets that could help us navigate not only this problem, but problems in the future. Um, I'm wondering if you would like for me to look for someone. So not saying it in a moment of you've got to go to counseling or we've got to go to counseling or that's it. We're going to marriage counseling, not as a threat or an ultimatum, but as a, a gentle, inquisitive curiosity of is this something that could be helpful for for you, for me, for both of us, for our children? Um, I, th I think it's a very sad thing that some some couples talk for years about the possibility and then uh, never get to counseling, and that's that's sad. I think as well. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, it, it's, um, it, from what I can see, cause my, um, on my side, my younger brother, but we, it went through a very nasty divorce and, you know, the thought of she would go, but getting him to the table he, and, and his behavior after they were divorced, I didn't talk to him for several years because it was so nasty and everything was the other person's fault. And it was very degrading to, to witness it. I just said, I'm not going to be a part of it. You, we've offered to try to do everything. And as a brother, as a, your brothers and sisters, we don't, we're at the end of the rope because we don't know what else to do. And it, I've heard through the grapevine that it's gotten better, but that's through one person's eyes. So I don't know. But no, it did answer my question. I think, too, even if couples have a feeling that they're going to ultimately be divorced, even if that's a possibility, sometimes it's good to learn good communication skills with this person before you move on to the next relationship and communication skills that you use during the process of divorce is going to going to help your own Emotionally, mm -hmm. it's just going to help your own 
sense of peace. And by that point, there's a what we call a negativity bias override that the brain is already in fight or flight, seeing things negatively. And so backing way up to working on seeing things in a positive way, we have to work a lot harder to see the positives because we're just created for survival to, to survive. And so in order to do that, we scan the environment and look for anything negative to in order to protect ourselves. And when couples are in that negativity bias override, everything that they see is negative. And uh, it, it is a sad thing, but it's, but it's something that can be helped. You can train yourself to look for positive things. There are skill sets that you can use in order to train yourself to look for positive things. And I think too, I mean, we haven't talked about the spiritual part here, but one of the things that I've noticed um, as a Christian counselor is that um, Christians have a different mindset towards marriage a lot of times a lot of times um we're looking at as this is a sacred covenant there's something sacred about this therefore i am committed for a lifetime and man if i'm <laughs> if i'm committed for a lifetime i don't want to be miserable and so sometimes there'll be a little more um, are a little bit less reluctant to come in, but sometimes it's hard for them as well just to get started. Now, I, I'm going to share an odd story, and I don't want to make light of any of this, but uh, a friend of mine, they had planned mom and dad's 50th anniversary party for months. Like it was everybody in the community was there. And um, dad was one of those stoic people. He was a farmer and, you know, he kept everything bottled up. And, um, I'm not kidding. The day of the party, everyone's giving toasts and they're, everybody's like, come on, get up and give a speech. And he stood up and he said, I'm done. And he walked out. Uh -oh. <laughs> Everyone was like, what? And, and yeah. his, his yeah. daughters who planned the thing went after him and they said, what are you done? And he said, I, I've spent 50 years listening to your mother tell me how to think act and feel and he said i'm like in my 70s now i can't remember he was like 75 he said i i don't have many days left but you know what i'm gonna spend the rest of my days by myself enjoying what i want to watch on tv i was just like oh my god like i feel like you could have mentioned you know like think about 50 years of you know like a, a grain of sand builds up in um in an oyster and that becomes a pearl this guy literally carried 50 years worth of grains of sand under his skin and and the the 50th wedding anniversary was the moment where he's like i can't take this anymore and yeah. it was really heart-wrenching because uh you know it was first of all it was avoidable but it ripped the entire like the way he did it i mean again i don't think he chose that moment it was just that moment where his soul said enough's enough but it ripped the family apart and you know they were close-knit um i think they had four kids and four kids had homesteads on the family farm um nothing documented because we all get along and everything's great and all of a sudden literally this entire family was ripped apart and they spent all of their money on legal fees trying to unravel the complexities of their family yeah sometimes we 
So sometimes if people are not happy, they have a line in the sand. And sometimes it's when the kids graduate from high school or when the kids graduate from college or when the kids get married and move away. Um, if I've done it for, for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and it actually helps them to have hope that there is an end in sight. Um, and for those that have already decided ahead of time that this isn't, this isn't a covenant that I made just to that other person. This is a covenant that I made with God and this, um, sacred space of what I do impacts my relationship with God is different, you know, but what's interesting, um, putting up with someone else telling you what to think, what to do, what to believe, where to go. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. All those little things can really grate on a person's self-esteem, on their happiness, on their emotional well-being. And um, there's, you know, I, I love that saying there's more than one way to skin a cat why you'd want to skin a cat. I still don't understand why we say that. <laughs> it's but a very odd expression. <laughs> yes, but there's more than one way to do things. So you think about a couple that's got land and yeah, you could plant beans there or you could plant corn. It really doesn't matter what the other person does, what my spouse does, whether they plant beans or whether they plant corn. Um, what really matters is how that particular topic can bring us closer together. Thinking of it like magnets, that a magnet can draw you together or it can push you apart. It's got that push-pull feature. And when we, in our minds, have this mindset that there's nothing that comes my way that, that I can't use to draw closer to my spouse, that I have an opportunity to grow spouse, grow closer to my spouse, beans and corns. We can talk about beans and corn and how we like to cook it, how we like to can it, what we like to, to see in the sprouts, how we, how we like to plant it. It doesn't really matter whether you plant beans or corn because you'll have to decide on something else the next year <laughs> i love it now um we're, we're gonna run out of time way quicker than i'd like normally but um and this has been a fabulous conversation and and we'll have another one i promise because we just went on one of the tangents and explored it so thank you um yeah. for anybody who's listening and they're like i really like this and i need to talk to her uh what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you ankeller.com so you can go straight to a-n-n-k-e-l-l-e-r.com and there's a link there for you can schedule your own appointment and so scheduling a 15-minute free consultation gives you an opportunity to talk about anything that you'd like to talk about so sometimes clients use it to call to find referrals sometimes they call because they might be interested in counseling Sometimes they just need to know what to do next. And I would say that the registering for a 15-minute free consultation would probably be the fastest way. 
Awesome. Well, Anne, I really sincerely want to thank you for our conversation today. I think I got a lot out of it and I know our listeners will. So thank you very much, Anne. My pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to either click the link below or scan the QR code to register and listen to other episodes of our podcast. Or if you think your business or you would be a great guest to be on our show, we're always looking for experts in one of the nine elements of holistic wellness. We'd love to have you. You can either click the link below or you can scan the QR code and complete our speaker intake form. Thank you and to your wellness.